We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. And um, the coming of the Lord is, is drawing closer and closer. And I was traveling um, yesterday, and uh, I went to uh, Claremore last night and had uh, dinner with about 40 of my classmates. Next year we'll have our 40th high school reunion. And uh, I haven't seen most of them in at least 20 years. And uh, for some of them it's been, it's been 40 years ago. I talked to them about their lives and about their successes, about their difficulties, and uh, I realized just how how blessed I really am, and how the grace of God has really been uh, applied to my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And uh, then I got word as I was traveling. Uh, also, a dear friend of mine, the pastor's down in the southern portion of our country, really been battling some things and uh, depression and so forth, and. It led to a methamphetamine addiction that he will not be in his pulpit today for the first time there in 20 years. Um, Monday, a week ago tomorrow, uh, we buried my mother, 91 years young. And so now both of my parents are in heaven. Never dreamed of the day that I wouldn't have my parents. You just don't think about it for so, so long. And then now, you know, I went in and deleted their phone numbers and what, what a strange feeling that was. My point in saying all this was, I'm, I'm thinking about our purpose and our destiny for every life. And so the Lord's given me a word that deals with your destiny. So if you'll give me just a few minutes and let me work this out. And these folks on the third row, they already said, I went to them early and I said, now if it gets quiet in here, I'm counting on you to give me a witness. So I've already secured my help this morning. And so I'm so honored to be with you all. I'm going to tell you at the end of the service, as typically I do, about what we're doing overseas, what's happened since I was here last, where I go this Tuesday. I'll be preaching for the next uh, two weeks, the rest of this month, uh, in Prague, the Czech Republic, capital of the Czech Republic. I'll tell you about that later in the service, but I, I really uh, need your prayers as this is the darkest city in Europe. And out of the 22 countries that we've been in, in Central and Western Europe, this one is the most challenging because the, uh, the rate of atheism is 93% of the city is atheist. And even the Assemblies of God said concerning Prague, it's the darkest city in Europe. So people ask me, I even had a friend, a minister friend, say, what, what are you doing going to places like that? Is, isn't, I said, because that's where the Holy Spirit can really show off the most. I mean, when you go to the hardest places and the Holy Spirit does a divine work, then you know it's Him because no one else but Him can make it happen. And so I'm really excited to go and, and I'll, I'll tell you some more details that I believe will be encouraging. But I want you to take your Bibles and let's go and get right into the Word of God together. In Romans chapter 8, we're going to go to uh, verse number 13 through 17. And so give me just a moment to... To work this out, I just really feel the Lord has given me a special word concerning what it means to fulfill your destiny. And I'm going to highlight three Old Testament characters, and then I'm going to show you how destiny changed at the cross and what it means for us today. 
And in Romans chapter 8, let's begin reading with verse number 13. Are you there? Yes. Romans 8 verse 13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Father, thank You for speaking to us in the next few moments. Pray You would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive the Word of God today, and we give You praise in Jesus' name, and everyone said Amen. amen. This, this will not be your typical revival Message. You may not even want to jump up and shout and clap your hands during this message. I don't know. It's, it's worthy of such, but this is a message that, that the Lord has given me over just the last few days of some things I've seen and some things I've witnessed and the many people that I have talked to just as recent as dinner last night. What is destiny? I think everybody hears these terms going around and being used often. But destiny is simply God's purpose for your life. So how many of you want to know what God's purpose for your life is? Yeah. Now I want to know what He wants me to do. What's my assignment? Uh, how long am I going to be doing it? I know that there's probably no way to know that, but uh, the older I get, I'm wondering how much longer can I do the pace, keep up the pace that, that I keep. I'll, I'll be conducting my 83rd overseas crusade and after almost four million miles in an airplane it's getting a little old it's challenging but the grace of god is pulling me through and helping me and the favor that we talked about uh, i feel that upon my life i feel that god has given me a destiny destiny is what god has predetermined you to be and to become in his divine will but i went through some of the characters of the old testament i just picked out three briefly that missed their destiny because of decisions they made. So I want you to know that even though God has predestined a powerful and promising and exciting and fulfilling destiny in your life, the decisions that you and I make determine whether or not we fulfill such a destiny. You might think, well, it's going to happen no matter what. No, it really won't. It's going to happen whether or not we stay true to the Lord, we stay in fellowship with Christ, we keep our heart and our life pure and we live this Christian life that's pleasing unto the Lord, then we have a strong, strong chance of fulfilling every part of that destiny. But decisions every day that you and I are making affect whether or not we will. So I want to give you an example of it and then show you that after the Old Testament here, when Jesus came and satisfied the justice of God on Calvary's cross, then destiny changed. And I want to show you how it did. Let me just give you an example. Saul was the first person I chose because he was a man that missed his destiny. Now, God Himself chose Saul to lead Israel out of the bondage uh, to the Philistines. And when the prophet Samuel first laid his eyes on Saul, the Lord said, Behold, the man that I spoke to you about, this is the same man that's going to reign over people. And the Lord was saying to, to the prophet Samuel, Look, take a close look. He's the one I have chosen. 
Now it's important to know to notice that that uh, Samuel, even though he was a prophet of God, he did not choose Saul. The people did not choose Saul. God chose Saul. And I remember my dad as a deacon. I'm a deacon's kid. I never, I wasn't, didn't have the privilege of being raised in the ministry, but it was awful close because my dad, being a deacon, always said this to me. He always said, "The church doesn't vote in a pastor. The town doesn't select a pastor. God sends a pastor." And we need to make sure we understand that these kinds of situations are God-appointed, not man-voted or man-appointed. And so all of a sudden you see the, the prophet saying this to, uh, or the, the Lord saying this to the prophet, there he is, take a close look, I have chosen him. Then the Lord talks about what he's going to do. He says in chapter 10, verse 6 of 1 Samuel, And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon him, and he will prophesy and be turned into another man. Think about that. Someone who's just a normal human being, though they may have giftings and talents and so forth, we have to remember everything we have has been given to us by the Lord. So if you possess something that you know is special, don't give yourself credit for what you possess because without it being given to you by God, you would not possess it. And so it's important to see that the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. He would prophesy and literally be turned into someone other than himself, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Saul was transformed by God's touch on his life. God gave him another heart. Um, Samuel even said something wonderful to him. God is with you. So think about everything he's got. He's been chosen by God himself. He, he prophesies and is turned into another man. He actually has even a different heart with that special touch of God on his life. And so here's a man appointed by God moved upon by the Holy Spirit, gifted with the gift of prophecy, destined by God to lead Israel. And for a while, he walked in his destiny, walking in the fear of the Lord. He quickly won a great battle against, against the Ammonites that he's known for. I mean, that went on his resume. I defeated the Ammonites. That, that's top of the list. And, uh, but Saul was appointed king over Israel and did well for a while, but one of the most tragic pictures in all of Scripture is when his life starts to fall apart. Everybody's talking about him when he's succeeding. And he's the talk of the town, and he's got a resume that he's building that's just top shelf. But now his life starts to disintegrate. Well, what happened? Did he get sick? No, he started making decisions that affected the God-given destiny of his life. What did he do? Well, God fully intended that Saul live out his days with the Lord's blessings and everything that God had invested in him. He desired that Saul be remembered as the man who delivered Israel from the bondage of the Philistines who won a great battle over the Ammonites. And the list is long of his accomplishments. But Saul, ladies and gentlemen, missed his destiny. What he did was he began to disintegrate, caving in for the need for human applause and acceptance. He had to always be catered to. He had to always be stroked. He had to always be told how great he was. And, and he needed this acceptance. And he caved into this, to this need. And he missed the plan of God. And so when he came to a place where he faced one of Israel's uh, greatest military conflicts, his heart for the first time was smitten with fear, not confidence as it had before. And uh, he ended up consulting with the evil witch of Endor. And here's what he did. Instead of going to God as he had before, God, what do I do? Show me your plan. 
Give me your strength to, to lead and to move forward in power and understanding. Oh, this time he goes and consults with the witch. What a dichotomy here. Well, what a difference that we have. Someone who once went to the Lord now goes to a witch. But don't be too hard on him because people are doing it today. People who once knew the Lord, sought the Lord, depended on the Lord, are going to the world to find their answers. The people who once prayed, the people who once come to church. I know I grew up with a whole bunch of them. We'd come to the church on Saturday nights and we'd put on a praise tape or something. And we'd pray and seek God for revival and, and God to bless our pastor as he preached the word that next day. And you go to my same home church on a Saturday night now and there's not a soul within 10 miles of the church. And no prayer meetings anymore because everybody's too busy. But the ball diamonds are full. I watched my little granddaughter play t-ball, her first t-ball game, yesterday morning at 10.10 in Mustang, Oklahoma. And I couldn't find a parking spot for five minutes, walked about a half a mile to get to a four-year-old's t-ball game. <laughs> Nobody minded paying four bucks a person to get in, walk a long way in cold, blistering wind, sit there for an hour in the most boring conflict a game you've ever seen in your life. Four-year-old girls playing t-ball. Think about it. The ball comes to them, they get it, and they freeze. A hundred people are screaming what to do, and they just stand there, and finally they just drop the ball and start crying and go into the dugout. It was a tremendous experience that I had last night. But what are this yesterday morning? What a chilling and frightful thought that a person can call to be uh, to a great divine purpose, walking in the blessing and anointing and favor of God, and then end up in this kind of situation by decisions that were made somewhere along the line that caused them to miss their destiny. And this is the picture of Saul. He ended up prostrating himself before a witch. He died in shame. And these words really could have been placed on his tombstone, the man who missed his destiny. Stay with me. I just went to Samson. We all know the story of Samson, so I'll be brief with it, but his destiny was known before he was ever even born. Angels announced his birth, giving his parents detailed instructions on how to raise him to be great for God. Wouldn't it be great, parents, if we had such a detailed instruction manual given to us? Well, we actually do. Here's the detailed instruction on how to raise our children to be great for God and to love the Lord with all their heart. But they did. They didn't have the Bible as we know it. So the angels announced his birth, gave detailed instructions on how to raise him. He was to be a Nazarite. A Nazarite vow was very simple. He was never to drink wine. He was never to cut his hair. He was never to touch anything dead. Just follow these simple things of the Nazarite vow. And greatness is in store for you because God's hand was upon him. He was in strict training. And at a young age, he experienced the moving of God's Spirit. I won't go into all the stories because we're all familiar with them. But what is the first thing the Holy Spirit does when He moves on us? We know that when He moves on us, He convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Then He guides and comforts and teaches and, and He prays through us. Aren't you thankful for, for the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? I mean, just driving across the, the northern part of the state last night, I was so thankful to have that privilege to pray in the Spirit because my heart was broken over some of my classmates who missed their destiny. 
They missed their destiny. And they knew it as soon as they saw me. They fell on my shoulder and some began to cry. We're just there to eat dinner together. And some fell on my shoulder and began to weep. And they said, Mark, my life has just unfolded and I'm broken. And I thought we were just going together for a meal. It ended up becoming a church service. Because they had missed their destiny. They're trying to find ways to fix it. Get back in the game. Get back in the race. How do I fix all the broken areas of my life? And I said, you can't. You might as well not even try. I said, only Jesus can fix the brokenness of your life. And if you would turn your life to Him and give Him a chance, that master, come on somebody, the master fixer, the one who can do what no other power can do, can change and fix your life, but you have to submit your life to Him. When I said that, some said, help me, pray with me. And I did. Others said, well, maybe someday. And when they said that, they're basically saying, I'm going to put the confidence in myself, which in themselves they've already missed their destiny. And still it's not registering that they, have, they do not have the power to change their own life. I mean, Samson knew from a boy. He was taught. He was guided and comforted by the Holy Spirit. He knew he had a destiny. And how long did he walk in it? For 20 solid years, Samson walked in the authority of his destiny. He judged Israel. He harassed the Philistines, bringing a ray of hope to the nation. And Samson's strength, to always remember, was never in his hair. His strength, because if, if it were in the hair, I'd sure be in trouble. <laughs> Don't say amen. This windy condition today caused me to use extra hairspray. Samson's strength was not in his hair, but it was in the moving of the Spirit of God within him. What you possess, where you live, what you may own, is not what gives you any kind of strength or influence. It's the power of the Holy Spirit within you that gives you the ability to be influential for the cause of Christ. God had fully intended to bless the rest of Samson's years with greater victories. History should have said of Samson he was faithful to the end. Uh, and he should have lived and, and died in honor to the Lord. He should have fulfilled his destiny, but he did not. He aborted his destiny because he had a lust problem. He never conquered. What you don't conquer will end up conquering you. He had a lust problem. He had a problem with women. It doesn't matter that he does all these other feats of strength. He can't control his own lust. He had an appetite here that was, never, that was never conquered. And so what happened down the road, even after 20 years, and I mean being the man that everybody knows his name throughout the entire country, he went to and chased after harlots, even though the Spirit moved upon him. The Holy Spirit never got to that inner man because Samson never would open that part of his life to the help of the Holy Spirit. Samson began to, to degenerate. He, he, um, he became a sensuous man more than a powerful judge. And he lost the respect of his own people. He should have lived out his days in dignity as a vessel of honor. We should have been able to read of how Samson built strength upon strength and grew in the power of God's Spirit and anointing upon him. But in the end, we see him strapped in a harness like a dumb ox grinding away at a Philistine mill. His eyes have been gouged out of his head. He's lost all his strength. He is the laughingstock of the heathen. And even his own people began to turn against him there at the end. Even in his dying day when Samson brought down the Philistine temple, 
people think, well, that was the great victory. He, he, God strengthened him one more time. But if, if I may, and this may mess up the, um, uh, the biblical literacy of many people, but I don't see it being a victory because his prayer was that God would give him strength one more time to avenge his eyes. It was actually a prayer of revenge. Not to show the people the strength of his God, but God, if you'll give me strength one more time, I'll show these people you don't mess with me. And it was a prayer of revenge. And his tombstone could have read the man who missed his destiny. It's just I'm, I'm seeing more and more examples of this um, all around us. And I'm asking the Lord, don't, don't help me not to go this far of marriage and ministry and then at the end to cash it all in for something that doesn't, that's not worth it. Amen. I can't get any witness here. But the third row, third row, help me third row. Amen, thank you. One more and then we'll go to the cross. One more and then we'll go to the cross. Solomon was a man who also missed his destiny. Now if there, was, if there ever appeared to be a man of destiny, it was Solomon. He was wise, he was rich, he was good looking. He was respected. I mean, the man had everything. Solomon promised both his father and his Lord that he would bring down every idol in the land. Something happened in his life that the promise he had made to God and, and to, to the people that he ruled to bring down the idols because thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt worship no graven image. These, these commandments were so precious to the people of God. It was all they had. And uh, they must follow these with all of their heart to have the favor and the blessing and the increase of God. And instead of doing what he promised, he amasses 900 wives and concubines from many, many other nations. And to appease them, he built an embassy row of one heathen temple after another. And so soon the man who had been called to rid Israel of idolatry became Israel's greatest idolater. Solomon ended up missing his destiny. He ended up disillusioned, decrepit, immoral. He entered into eternity crying these words with his own lips. All is vanity and vexation of spirit. It's worthless. That he had everything. God had spared nothing on him. He gave him every good gift needed to succeed and, and, and greatness should have been uh, uh, followed his name, but he ends up missing it. Now, as I went through the Old Testament and I saw all of these individual people, here's the point I wanted to get to. There were as many destinies in the Old Testament as there were kings and priests and prophets and even ordinary saints and even to the lowliest people, those who were servants and worshipers and shepherds and tent makers. They all had their own individual destiny. Their, their lives have nothing to do with our destiny since the cross. Now listen, at the cross, God gathered up all the individual destinies of humankind into one grand purpose. Now, here's what's great. We all have the same destiny now. We're not individual destinies that, that you're going to do something greater than me and I'm going to do something so far greater than you. We're not in that kind of situation anymore because God gathered them all up and Ephesians 1.10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in Him. 
Stay with me. God gathered up all of our destinies in Jesus so that His Son would have the preeminence. I can't get any help here in this Presbyterian meeting. Yes, you have a destiny, and it is the same as mine. And that is to love Jesus, to be like Jesus, to worship Jesus, to serve the Lord. So we're not in this competition of which one of us is going to do the greatest things. I just said, I remember saying when I was a little boy, I was eight exactly, and I was at Turner Falls in one of our kids' camps. And it's the first one because I remember you could start at eight and you could go until you were 18. And I didn't miss a camp from 8 to 18. But in that first camp, I remember as you're about midway of the open-air tabernacle looking up to the to platform, just off to the left in that gravel-grass mixture that you would walk across to get from the tabernacle to the boys' dorm, I was touched that night and I, and I fell under the power of the Holy Spirit at the age of 8. I can take you to the spot where it happened. I gave my heart to the Lord that night as an eight-year-old boy. Later on in that service, they laid hands on me and I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. But even greater that night, God called me to preach the gospel. So my destiny was set before me. And all I have to do is love Jesus, serve the Lord, live a life that's pleasing to Him, and everything else will work out and I'll do whatever He has for me to do. Amen. We have the same destiny. And that's to love Him, serve Him, and ask Him to use our lives for His glory. And yes, we have a destiny. It's the same as mine. It doesn't matter whether you're a waitress or the captain of an ocean liner. We all have the same fixed, predestined, predetermined destiny given to us before the world was formed. And what is this single, grand, and glorious destiny? It is spoken of in verses 4 to 6. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, here it is, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestinated us in, in, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. The pressure's off. I used to think I had this pressure on me in ministry that I had to do certain things. But I realized that uh, in, one, in, in two weeks I had two very different situations where I was preaching. And I realized that one was no more important than the other. One week I was in a little small country town in Oklahoma, not all that far from Ponca City, there may have been 50 people in the building, maybe. And uh, that pastor and his family were just incredible people. What a joy just to be with them. And to see that they were willing to come out of a ranching life and to accept a call into ministry and pastor a handful of people. I've had more people in my house for dinner than they had in church. But what an absolute joy. Why? Because he's fulfilling his destiny. What's he doing? He's obeying the Lord. They're, they're just loving Jesus. And the Lord takes care of them. And then, and then so that week goes by. The next week I'm in a church of 6,000 in Michigan. 6,000 people. And I'm preaching those two morning services. 
And I'm hearing the skilled musicians. Everything just was, you know, first class. I mean, I couldn't find a, you know, anything that was negative. I mean, it was just amazing. From the time you pull on the grounds to the time you leave, it was just systematically just done in such. And then I realized, but, but that pastor, pastoring six grand every week, is no more important than the rancher turned preacher in Oklahoma pastoring 50 on a good Sunday. Because both have the same destiny. The pastor of 50 and the pastor of 6,000 have the same challenge. You're going to have to love the Lord. You're going to have to stay in love with Jesus. You're going to have to keep praying and studying God's Word and live a holy life. And all the rest, God will take care of how He would desire to use you. I couldn't see one happier over the other. The one pastoring 50 was so joyful, it was contagious. And he was like a magnet of joy. Then the guy pastoring 6,000, he was happy too, but he's got a lot more pressure. Help me somebody. But the destinies are the same. And it is for every follower of Jesus to come into the adoption by Jesus for Jesus and for His glory and to live a blameless praise that brings glory, a blameless life that brings praise and glory to Him. I want to encourage you as I bring this down the stretch here that uh, I want to show you what it means to fulfill your destiny. It doesn't matter how successful you are outside of your home. If you're a booger to live with inside your home, you've not fulfilled your destiny. <laughs> Talked to a young man one day and he came to the altar. He broke, kind of fell on my shoulder, and I knew him from the time he was very young, probably in his early 20s now. You know what his prayer request was on a Sunday morning in his father's church? He said, My dad's not the same once he leaves that pulpit. He said, We need help. Cried out for help. And then I realized the Lord spoke to me See, it doesn't matter how successful you may appear. It's who you really are every day that brings the praise and glory to Jesus. I was gone five days a week all during the years of my son's upbringing. Because those were the days of when everybody was in a Sunday through Wednesday revival or whatever. And I did that every week from January 1 till middle December for years. And it happened to be the years of my son who will be 32 this year has given me two beautiful grandchildren. And uh, so the other day, I, I've always been afraid to ask the question. But I got uh, the nerve up the other day, and I put my arms around my son. He's taller than I am, and every time I kiss him, I'm kissing whiskers. <laughs> That's something you also don't think you'll ever be doing. But I told him, it doesn't matter how old, how big, how muscular you look, you're always my baby. And I'm going to smooch you in front of God and everybody. <laughs> Anybody feel the same way about your baby? And so I, I kissed my son on the face. I embraced him warmly, warmly, and I said, I've been wanting to ask you a question for a long time because this is something that kind of haunts me, if you will. And he said, well, Dad, what is it? I said, I was gone five days a week of your life. And um, I missed some ball games that I thought I'd never miss early on. I was not there on some of them. 
And uh, he already, I guess, knew where I was coming. And I said, son, if we had it to do all over again, just, just tell me, did I fail you as a dad? I mean, I wanted him to know. And I know my son well enough to know. He, he's a businessman. He's a straight shooter. He's going to tell me the truth because I asked him. And he said, dad, well, uh, he said, I'll put it like this. And I thought, oh, no. Here it comes. I was dreading what I was going to hear, but I was going to have to deal with it because I opened the door. And he said, all I can say is it was, it was like you were not gone at all. And I stepped back and I said, you're going to have to explain that one. He said, first of all, mom is so strong that she made up for your absence. He said, she was incredible. And I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, but when you were home, he said, you were all in. in my heart, if I, if, I, if I miss my destiny as a father, then all the ministry I've done really means nothing to me. If my kids don't love the Lord and want to serve the Lord, if my kids don't love the ministry and now they're under a pastor serving and I see the way they serve and love their pastor in their church and it just gives me hope that if I'll stay in love with Jesus, if I'll realize my destiny is all wrapped up in Him, then everything else will turn out as it should. And he, he really helped me when He said, but when you were home, you were all in. The daughter comes along nine years later. The trend started changing more from the week's revivals to more of the weekends and, and, and some with uh, numerous services, etc. And so I was home more with my daughter and felt like, but you know what? God gives us grace, does he not? God gives us grace. And one was easy and one was strong-willed. The second one came along. I had a, a false sense of parenting success. Because our son was so easy and so compliant. I mean, I could just walk over and just look at my son. He'd just melt like butter. Whatever you want, Dad. I'd look at my daughter and she'd say, you want something from me? <laughs> None like that. Boy, did I go? Did I go to the bookstore and get everything I could read on the strong-willed child? But I, are you still with me? And I thought, boy, this is going to be a whole nother ball game. But she'll graduate April 27th from Sagu to be a children's pastor. And God's grace has been so good to my family because I thought. This one, Lord, is even going to be hard for you. <laughs> and I know he was laughing. Like, I, I, I know exactly what she needs. More even than you do. Husbands and fathers, can you imagine your wife saying of you, my husband is human, he makes mistakes, but he's a praying man. He loves the Lord with all of his heart. And he loves us passionately. But what I don't want to be said about me, and I'm sure you don't want to be said about you, is... Oh, yeah, he, 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 he says he loves the Lord, but sure lives a different way when he's not in church. That's how we miss our destiny. Because we're not staying in love with Jesus. We've fallen in love with the world. We've fallen in love with making money. We've fallen in love with whatever else, uh, other habits and other things. And when we stay in love with Jesus, then 
then the others take care of themselves. Are you still here? Yeah. Let me bring the cook close. So many Christians are striving to accomplish wonderful things for God, but the Lord boils it all down to this simple thing. Are you changing from glory to glory? Are you becoming more like Jesus? If we all strive to become more like Jesus, then our destinies, what God has planned for us to accomplish for His glory, will be accomplished. Because he says in Romans 8, 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So, are you fulfilling your personal destiny? Well, it's the same as mine. We all have the same one. Are you more like Jesus now than you were a year ago? Is your marriage growing or is it deteriorating? Is your passion for the Lord growing or... Are your passions changing? You know, when I was growing up in the Assemblies of God, we did a lot of preaching on worldliness. We had a lot of clothesline preachers back when I was a little boy. Our hair was too long. We couldn't play sports. We were all going to hell for something. Anybody remember those days? We lost our balance, let me just say. There's a balance in holiness. Don't, don't think that I don't believe in living a holy life. We practice it daily. But we lost our balance. We went to the other side of the fence and all became about uh, stuff. So my dad set me free one day. I came to him after a Sunday school class. My dad was teaching a class down the hall. And I said, Dad, my teacher just told me that I have to quit playing junior high basketball because we wear shorts. The uniform. And uh, my dad just laughed. Well, it was serious <coughs> to me because everybody was brother this and sister that. Help me now. And you respected your elders. You didn't dare lift your voice against an elder because dad was an all-American dad. He'd put on stripes, we'd see stars. So you just were careful. But when I told him what had been said, my dad just laughed. And he said, oh, he said, son, that, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. He said, that's the spirit of goofiness. He said, we got a lot of that here in the church. He said, you just stick close to mom and I and we're going to make it. And so I realized that destiny was not about the legalistic list of rules that I heard early on in my life, even taught by those I was taught to, to respect. But yet it's falling in love with Jesus, staying in love with Jesus, serving Jesus, and in that I will fulfill Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.